0: Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Down the Put podcast. I'm joined by Blueface wanderer Mark Therrien as we talk about how his creation came about. Steve Steele joins me as we talk about the Joshua Ruiz fight last weekend. Alan T. Wells-McDonald joins me as we talk about the mighty Glasgow Celtic. As always, you can join the conversation on Facebook and on Instagram. Apologies for the late posting, I was a bit under the weather yesterday. And as always, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Now on with the show.
1: to Halifax's newest celebrity and Wanderer fanatic, Mark Therian, uh aka the Blue-Faced Wanderer. Uh, thanks for joining us this week, Mark.
2: Yeah, it's no problem. It's an honor to be on the show.
1: Oh, thanks, man. It's, uh, not many people say that. Most people see it as a chore, so I really appreciate that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's a so, bit of a... Um, yeah. So
1: you've become, a, you've become quite a celebrity here in Halifax. Uh, tell us how the blue uh, the Blueface Wanderer came to be.
2: Uh, Well, it all started off the first game. Uh, So uh, just to kind of stand out, I decided to paint my face blue and I invited uh, a friend of mine from Zimbabwe to the match. His name is Bafana. And uh, he kind of said, you know, like you're you're kind of standing out this was after the match. And uh, he said, you know, why don't you, you create yourself an Instagram and, you know, just make some some costume designs and stuff like that. And, you know, people will start to recognize you and, you know, you can promote the club and all that. And I say, that's, that's not a bad idea. So from there, it kind of, it kind of took off. Um, so I used to paint my, my, my entire face blue. And then um, I was talking to a guy named Carlos and he came up with some ideas you know why don't you paint your face half blue and you can get you know dye a mohawk and stuff like that so it just kind of kind of took off from from there so it's, it's been it's been real fun um, a lot of money put money money involved in and, and some hours my daughter loves it she's only a year and a half but whenever i paint my face blue and get all dressed up she's got a big smile on her face and that's you know that's that's what it's all about yeah
1: that definitely makes it worth it and uh, that's kind of awesome that's kind of evolved from you just turning up to the first game with a blue face, to uh, you becoming like a, a superhero from three hundred.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is, and uh, I don't have the body of Gerard Butler, but I'm working on it.
1: <laughs> oh my god!
2: You think they'll let me oh in the matches?
1: <laughs> so. Um... So, are we gonna see some like blue faced
0: uh, Wanderer merchandise? <laughs>
2: um, I've, i Carlos and I have talked about it. He actually came up with the design, and it's a really nice design. And I, I'm thinking I might put it on a sweater. He says he's got some touch ups to do to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe. We'll I,
1: see. I love that idea. I, I'd definitely yeah. buy a t shirt or a sweater, man. That would be uh pretty cool. I'd like to uh show show my support so you keep doing this. It's it's, it's so cool. Um, yeah. so. So uh, switching switching to the uh, the Wanderers themselves, uh, what were your thoughts on the uh, the first season?
2: Uh, mixed emotions, mixed emotions. To be honest, I think the first part of the season it was good. We were doing well. we were in fourth place. You know, the the team seemed to be clicking, and then we had a, a bit of a run there where we we're on <clears throat> travel for quite a bit and things got buggered up and uh, you know, there was no rest period and then things really started to go downhill and we ended up last. That part kind of sucked, but in all honesty, I feel like uh, it, it was bittersweet. Like I said, you know, it's, it's great to have a professional uh, football team here in Halifax, but it, Fucking sucks that we ended up last at the end of the season.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think, unfortunately, I think a lot of it came down to like a lack of goals because we weren't, there's no games where we were absolutely hammered by anybody. It does seem to be a goal here or there. So I think the defence was a good start. Um, but, um, absolutely, absolutely. So um, so obviously, um, we've uh, recruited a few players uh, in the off-season. Um yep. what do you think of the players that they
2: recruited? Um, I mean I watched some of the highlight videos there earlier today and uh, even you're talking about some some players that we I mean, I've never really seen play other than those YouTube videos. I mean Corey Bent, I've heard a lot of good things about him and I watched some of his, like I said, highlights and he seems to be a really good strong forward. Um then we have uh what's his name there? Ibera Sano, he he's just a big guy. I mean, at six 100 plus goals and seventy games in the in the college league, that's same, same. that's insane. I mean, people are saying that the college league isn't as good as university or or the CPL, but we'll see how that transitions over. I mean, at six two, you just you stick him in the middle and you send the ball to him; he's gonna get it right. Like, just the,
1: the thing, though. I mean, I mean, like he, he, obviously, he knows where the. Uh, like the net is so. I mean, that's the start, right?
2: <laughs> well, that's exactly it, and that's and that's gonna that's gonna help us out a lot. I mean, especially if if uh, we can get Corey in there as well, and it's you know having some three strong strikers would really help us out and produce those goals that we lacked last year. And like you said, the defense was upstanding. Like we had a lot of draw, so I think our defense is quite solid. And you know we have the two new midfielders. We have a uh, Krem and Sissoko, who uh, I think. Are going to be great additions to the midfield. I was watching some of their their highlights, and they they looked they looked quite good. Uh, you know, they were playing smart balls into uh, in, into the box, and they got some a lot of set up opportunities, which is good to see.
1: Yeah, I, I see that they've uh, they've also reti- like they've retained like retained um, like Christian Oxner, uh, yes, yeah. and then Alex the Carolis. So they've they've kind of yeah. kept most of the core of the defense that they had last year, which is obviously a good start.
2: Absolutely, and it, it'd be nice to see a few others back, like Peter Shala and Andre Bona, who really um, did extremely well in the defense and really helped us out. Uh, it'd be great to have those players back, but you know, we'll we'll find out January what who's who's going to be back for sure. That's when all the announcements are supposed to be made.
1: Is there any rumors about uh, Peter Shala coming back?
2: Uh, I mean, not. I haven't heard anything official. Um, I, I sent him a message asking him if he if he knew anything that hasn't been said yet, and obviously he just he didn't say anything much more than "we'll you'll you'll see" type thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, no no real hope, but no real disappointment yet.
1: Yeah, because he was definitely like the, the one of the outstanding successes of the season. So it'd be great absolutely. to see him back, to be honest.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, we had uh, Matthew Arnone, who was back there as well, and even Duran Lee, who came in. Towards the end of the season did a phenomenal job in the back. So you there's there's three defenders there I think that could really come back and, and help us out in the in the defensive core and who have played, which you know, experience always helps.
1: Yeah, I mean like just having that experience in the league league too, because obviously we're really looking at how so we've got a grass pitch where some of the guy some of the other pitches are just like those awful plastic things. So Absolutely.
2: I mean if you look at Pacific, just you if you watch it on one soccer, it looks like the the pitch is shiny, just from the it, angle of the camera, it looks absolutely terrible.
1: I, I find that the one in um, in Hamilton looks awful too. I think that was the the inaugural game was in Hamilton, and yeah. uh, just looking at how like it, even, even though it's a plastic pitch, it looked brown or like grey or something, and it's just like this right? like if you if you slide on that, like you're you're gonna mess your, your leg up. So yeah. A little um, bit.
2: Of- Nothing makes a man more than turf burn. <laughs> yeah, exactly right.
1: <laughs> so, so, um, so last week the Wanderers had a uh, meet and greet there at Steel Volkswagen in Dartmouth. Uh, you had almost equal billing with the players. Uh, how did it go?
2: Uh, I think it went well. Um, I unfortunately wasn't able to stay the the whole time. Uh you know, a couple of people came in, took some pictures, got some autographs, there's a few kids and stuff like that. Um, Stephen Hart showed up, so I managed to have a bit of a conversation with him just about off season and, you know, expectations for next year And, and you know, he's 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 got a positive outlook for next year and he's really hoping that um they'll be able to to give the fans what the the best fans in the league, what they deserve, which is, you know, a trophy at the end of the year. But uh you know that's what that's what every team wants at the beginning of the season and in the off season. so we're we're really hoping that we can get that 2020 uh cpl trophy
1: yeah i, I definitely yeah, think uh you're right there and saying that we're the they're the best fans in the in the league so definitely a trophy would help uh absolutely. Solidify, solidify that but i mean um how, how important was it for the for the club to hang on to, to steven for next season
2: Oh, I think it's, it's important. Uh, I think it's the same goes for, uh, you know, Jan Michael Williams. Like it's, these are two, two people who have enormous experience on the international level that, uh, bring that experience to the wanderers and to the young guys. So like, you know, Christian Oxner is going to, is only going to get better with, uh, Jan's experience, um, the, the new players coming in are going to get a, a whole bunch of experience and knowledge from Steven, you know, being a former Canadian men's, uh, soccer team coach. Uh, he's, he's, he's been on the world stage, uh, maybe, you know, not to the same extent as other, as other coaches, but that experience still going to help out no matter what. So, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely a huge bonus to have these, those, those guys on, on the Wanderers and, um, you know, his expectations, both of their expectations are high, just as the fans' expectations are high. Yeah, so it's, I was, it's yeah. good.
1: I, I was there for the uh, at Niche for the Canada-US game that Canada won, and it was kind of yeah. funny. Like, like Stephen just had this collection of people that sitting around them, like he was like some uh, some some stage <laughs> person, you know? That was just like dishing out with voice to everybody. It was kind of it was kind right. of cool to see, and I think the fact that we uh that the Wanderers went out and got him I think was a was a really great idea because as you said he does have like a lot of experience. Uh oh, absolutely so it was kinda of, it was kinda of funny yesterday, just speaking of uh John Michael Williams, um, that he announced his he announced his retirement, uh and then like ten minutes later he was announced as the uh the goalkeeping coach with um with, with the Wanderers, So you two seem to have created a bit of a bond. So you must have been really yeah. happy to see him come back.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was kind of, I mean, it was tugging at my heartstrings that he was retiring and we we're going to see him in Halifax again. And then next, you know, it turns around that he's going to be the the keeper coach. And I was like, you couldn't have put that in your post. You know, Like <laughs> you, could, you couldn't, you're letting all your, like the fans are sitting here a little sad and, you know, you could have brightened up their day, um, but that was definitely a, we, we weren't sure. I mean, I'm part of the, the privateers 1882. I'm just uh, a member of nothing special other than that. Um, and some of the guys were talking about how they would like to see him be, uh, a, you know, a, a trainer for the, for the keepers of Halifax, just because he has that experience and that knowledge. And yeah, it's just, it's great to have him back in Halifax and, and uh, you know, hopefully we'll sign a second keeper. So we'll have Christian and somebody else, hopefully. And yeah, um, just have having jan train them i think would be phenomenal
0: especially yeah, if yeah.
2: they listen
1: i definitely think that uh christian's gonna um, benefit from having somebody of his, his experience kind of teach them day to day um absolutely it, it can only mean great things for the, the wanderers and for christian himself obviously because like the, the theme is one thing but i mean like these guys are obviously want to progress their careers too right so um, exactly so, so um, they they wanderers opened a, a store there on Quinnpool. Uh, you've had a chance yep. to check it
2: out. Uh, what's it like? Uh, it's a much better location than the Halifax Shopping Center. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> they they've been really able to customize it to the way that they want to to set it up. Uh, so when you walk in on the main floor, you have the the till and you have a bit of merchandise on the main level. Uh, there's a couple of posters. Um, which I posted on my Instagram account of some of the players and, you know, Stephen Hart designed in a uh, uh, movie poster way because they really wanted to keep that video difference atmosphere. I mean, it's a piece of history for Halifax. So they wanted to kind of mesh video difference with the Halifax Wanderers and keep that flow going. So they got some really cool posters um, in the downstairs area. There's more uh, merchandise to that to, to get. And then the top the kind of the mezzanine, I guess you can call it. And the top floor is where the offices are. Um, so it's, it's a really good location. It's nice having all of that together. So if you're a, if you're a fan, you can go in and you might see, you know, Derek Martin, uh, leave the store. Or you might see Marvin O'Kello, uh, uh, David, you know, there's a good chance you'll be seeing those guys. If you, if you're just swinging by to buy a Jersey or, you know, a keychain or something.
1: Yeah. I, I, so, I mean, like, the, like, unfortunately the, uh, the store you're right at the shopping center was I hate to say it was God awful and it, it, just, it just looked drab and it just looked like a, a horrible pop-up. So uh, yeah, I'm really glad that they've, uh, they've got like a more permanent place, but the poster that you posted looked awesome.
2: <laughs> oh, they, they did a really good job on them and um, they should, you know, they, it was Dylan that I believe did the poster. So he, uh, he did a good job on, I think he, he brought really the personality and the, you know they had uh, Zach Secunda in one of the posters as uh, the first man. You know, so he was the first wanderer signed. So I mean, like they they definitely put some thought into these posters. And Stephen Hard is, uh, I believe it was the outlaw Josie Wales.
1: Yeah. yeah, Well, classic. Uh, right. The, the Titanic one was pretty awesome too. I to and the, the Titanic,
2: Ab- absolutely. Yeah, that was a, definitely a funny one.
1: So, um, so so it's definitely worth a visit. Like, do they have like normal shop hours, or is it just like a
0: weekend thing, or? <laughs>
2: Uh, if I remember correctly, they run from, I, I was talking to Mervin about it. Um, he sent me the hours. I just got to go into my messages here. I believe it's 11 to six.
1: Uh, that's pretty cool. So basically you can, like, yeah, 11 it.
2: to six, Tuesday to Saturday.
1: That's awesome. Uh, they kind of yeah. It. It's and it's kind of nice. That you can pop in like if you're off during the week, you can rather because it's gonna be jammers, I'd imagine, before game time. So it'd be kind of nice just to go in there and have a, a proper look around what's kinda you know during the week and stuff.
2: Well that's uh, exactly it. And it's just it's just depending on which way you're walking, up or down from the wanderer's ground. So like if you need to pick up a last minute merchandise before the game or you know, you you can or after the match, right? So it's it's a great location.
1: And it looks like they've got like a lot more merchandise available rather than just the the jerseys and the polos or whatever it was they just had so
2: yeah so like right now when i walked in they had some some jerseys some <sighs> well, They have jerseys hats keychains they have um like wool socks with the wanderers logos beer steins coffee mugs you know the some so basically nice. st- still most stuff um that they had at the pop-up shop in the uh, shop in the halifax shopping center but at the same time they uh we kind of got a little insider that they're looking for other things so dress socks might be coming down the road you know ties and stuff like that so it'd be really interesting to see if uh that stuff uh, you know does Come to light because it'd be really cool walking around with a pair of Halifax Wanderers dress socks and tie for a yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, big time.
1: Yeah, big time. So I'm I'm trying to build a uh, like a pub slash studio in my basement. So a couple of the beer yeah. signs do sound uh, pretty cool for that. So, um, so just, just a final question. Then uh, they've they've launched uh, Halifax Wanderers uh, TV this week. Yep. Um, and we got to see our good friend Mike Campbell singing on there uh um, yep. a a how good of a singer is he and b are we going to see you on there singing too
2: <laughs> um let's put it this way his voice compared to mine is like the voice of an angel <laughs> i'm i'm absolutely atrocious um i think it's really cool that they launched a tv so you know everyone can go to the youtube uh channel and get their, their 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 Halifax Wanderers content. So when you're going through withdrawal, you can kind of check out some stuff. I think Mike Campbell did a, a phenomenal job uh, breaking the news that Jerry Michael Williams was coming back as a goalie coach. And uh, I I love Mike. He's a great guy, you know. And uh, he uh, he definitely definitely loves the Wanderers. And it's, it's it's really good to see the club reaching out to someone like that to break news like that. I think that's a great thing about having a small club. Is you know you wouldn't see you wouldn't see the spurs or you know arsenal reaching out to a fan like that to to break giant news that jan michael williams is going to be your goalie coach i think it's great having a, a club that reaches out to fans here in the city
1: yeah it's definitely like um uh i don't like usually they, they release a movie when they're announcing stuff so it's kind of cool just to see a guy on his guitar letting us know what's happening so um So you've certainly added some colour and style to the Wanderers' inaugural season, and I can't wait to see what next
2: season brings us. I have a a few design ideas in mind. Uh, We'll see if they (laughs) materialise. One of them involves buying a tilt, but those are quite expensive. So
1: (laughs) I really appreciate you taking time out of your your busy day. It's been a it's kind of awful (laughs) snowy day here in Halifax. So um, thanks thanks, Mark. I really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no problem. It was fun.
1: week I'm joined by Steve Steele as we talk about the awful fight last Saturday between and It was awful. awful. It was, yeah, it really yeah. was. Yeah, it was um so First of all, what were your thoughts in the fight? Well, I know you said it was awful, but
3: I mean, people came at me immediately when I like, when I trashed it. Like, that was pure boxing. I'm like, first and foremost, just relying on your jab and sitting on the outside. If that's pure boxing, Vladimir Klitschko is the greatest boxer, or Vitaly. I don't remember what fucking Klitschko was. Fuck them both. Yep. But yeah, Klitschko is the greatest heavyweight of all time because he just stayed to the outside and boxed. Joshua wanted no parts of that fat donut eating fuck, and he just stayed on the outside, jabbed his way to win. All the big punches were landed by Ruiz. He did in a couple decent shots but he was in no hurry to try to really avenge his loss in typical Anthony Joshua fashion he fought like a pussy he won like a pussy and he will forever be a pussy and he will continue to dodge Wilder Ortiz Ortiz who's been knocked out twice by Deontay Wilder by the way now in his last three fights and of course Tyson Fury who I actually really do enjoy I'm, I'm a Wilder guy through and through but I love Fury as well I can't wait for that fight in February
1: I, uh, I'm i I'm a Tyson Fury guy I just think he brings, absolutely he brings it's like great. a lot of like It's kind of like old school kind of hype and stuff like that. He brings Um, sports
3: entertainment to boxing. And I'm a fan. Yeah, I I like the guy. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. He was unconscious in that fight with Wilder. So that fight should have been over. But that's aside from the point because the ref literally gave him 18 seconds to recover from a (laughs) knockdown. But I mean, he still recovered and came back and won the rest of the round. And and technically, because it went to decision, he probably should have won the fight. But he was fucking unconscious for about a good 30 seconds before the ref started counting. So whatever. It don't matter. He sat up like the fucking Undertaker, too. God bless him. Jesus. I I turned away from that uh, during the fight when I was watching. I turned away from the screen and celebrated because I'm a huge Wilder guy. And I turned around, and the fight was starting back up again. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? My girlfriend's like, he got up. I'm like, no, he fucking didn't. He died. He's dead. Wilder legend, huh? Uh, God bless Deontay Wilder's right hand. I mean, there's there's fucking, like, you know, cannon shells. And there's <laughs> cannonballs, and there's like 50 caliber handguns, and there's Deontay Wilder's right hand. But yeah, fuck Anthony Joshua. The fight sucked. All Anthony Joshua fights suck. Although, no, that's not true. I have to be fair. Joshua's victory over Klitschko, which came after Fury's, was much more entertaining than Fury's victory over Klitschko. If you watch Fury's victory over Klitschko, he literally just outpoints him. But, you know, Fury was going through some things,
1: so I'll give him a pass. I'm, Definitely, th- he's the uh, the comeback here, I think.
3: Until Anthony Joshua fights someone of actual value, i.e. Ortiz, Fury, or Wilder, he's always just going to be like, yeah, he holds all the belts. He refuses to fight anywhere else other than England. He fought in Madison Square Garden and got knocked the fuck out. So he's like, oh, we're going to Saudi Arabia this time, guys. Like, his manager talking shit at the end of the fight. Fuck his manager, too, in his goofy little fucking suit. And (laughs) fuck Anthony Joshua. I just just don't like him. I don't know. Like, I don't like fighters that dodge other fighters. Now, I get, like... Lennox Lewis is a good example. Like, Lennox Lewis didn't dodge anybody. Lennox Lewis took on fucking everybody. And he had his little hiccups. He lost to Haseem Rockman and stuff. But when he avenged his loss to Haseem Rockman, he knocked Hassim Rockman the fuck, fuck yeah, out. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't, like... He didn't go, oh, let me get this little point victory. And, like, the last 30 seconds of the fight were pretty much tell-all for Anthony Joshua. Ruiz, like, stand in the center and fight me, and Joshua smirked at him and backed up. <laughs> like, yeah, I fucking uh, hate that cocksucker.
1: But, but I think... Like, a, he, got, he did get, like, a lot of criticism for the way that he fought the first Good. one. Good. So they changed the the fight plan up for him. He so, got outboxed in the first one. But, but just watching, like, first of all, how that guy was allowed to fight in that shape is beyond me. He's, hey. He looked fucked. Okay, like for the that. record... If you just got millions
3: of dollars, of Rolls Royce, and everyone just gave you the keys, to the king, and you're heavyweight champion of the world, when three, when seven months ago you were eating Taco Bell, you're gonna get it in a little bit. Like I, I know, I know, he should have taken it more seriously. We all agree, but we're human. Give the guy a break. Do I wish he had come in in shape? Yes. Do I think he could have had a much better fight in shape? Yes. He was flat footed as fuck. He just kept walking forward, flat footed. He looked terrible. He didn't. He, he didn't. He clearly put no effort into training and he just assumed his right hand would save him again, but. Like, he looked
1: fucked from the walk. From the walk to the dress room to the ring, he looked fucked after that. And I was just like... He looked like someone put tattoos on Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> that is honest. true. That is true. Like it, He looked like shit. Yeah, it was... And it, I look like shit with my shirt off, so I know what it looks like. I, I just, I just, from a fan's perspective... Like, you want those fights to be good fights, especially, like, since how he won the first one. And then he comes in, and the fucking commentators, like, every round were literally calling him a fat fuck. Well, Um, well, for the record, though, Joshua has a deal with the zone. So, like... Gruese
3: doesn't so zones are going to protect its investment they they, fucking, they might as well have been fucking tonguing Joshua's balls while they <laughs> stroked his shaft during that fight oh Joshua looks amazing he's like Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard And so the reference to Sugar Ray Leonard I'll, I'll, I'll expose some boxing knowledge just to show that I'm not some fucking moron talking about I want to see brawls uh, in 19, I believe, 88, Sugar Ray Leonard fought a man named Marvin Hagler who was 50-0. 50-0, I believe. 50-0-1 or 51. Like Either way, Marvin Hagler was a bad motherfucker. And Sugar Ray Leonard a- adopted a very similar strategy to what Joshua did to survive Hagler. Now, if I go back and watch the fight, it's one of the greatest fights of all time. It's middleweights. Uh, if I go back and watch the fight, I still feel like Hagler won the fight. But you can you can make a case for Leonard. But Marvin Hagler's a bad motherfucker. The train is his whole. He retired after the fight. He couldn't. He couldn't stomach the loss. He couldn't take it, and he left wow, the sport. Good, yeah, yeah. Marvin Hagler a bad yeah. dude. Shout out to Marvin Hagler. But um, yeah, this fight isn't that. This is some fat. Fuck that ate too many tacos and burritos. And I mean that's the jokes they were making. I don't know what his diet actually was, but it looked like he enjoyed whatever his fucking diet was. I ate a four-piece from KFC with Mary Brown's Tater's Day and gravy. So I'm not judging anybody. That said. So you went to KFC and No, so let me should I explain this really quickly? So a colleague is like, I want KFC, but I want Mary Brown's taters. I'm like, I'm I'll go half switch you on that. He's like, How about a ten piece from KFC large taters? He bought corn because he's a fat fuck. Oh, we'll get into that after. We probably won't make the episode, but um yeah and and we got uh, large gravy as well and later we all threw in five bucks and he drank about half a large gravy in one sitting <laughs> and like it was fucking disturbing because we're all cheering and laughing and gagging but you can see him around the halfway point of the sipping of the gravy he starts smiling because he knows he can drink this whole fucking oh, thing right? oh. and you have no idea like, they, they claim there's no sodium in KFC gravy that's a goddamn fucking lie
1: that's the saltiest it's shit like, it's like that thing from the Simpsons when uh what's you call it uh, Dr. Hibbert is like homer your gravy levels are off the chart and he's he's like you you doctors have been telling us to drink six or seven glasses of gravy a day
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh I eat a lot of KFC like and by a lot I mean like once a week I, I KFC's my weakness but um yeah no if I eat like a three piece from KFC with a gravy I have to drink about eight bottles of water like eight one lead lit- eight liters of water to just wash away the sodium otherwise I'm the river fucking Jordan
1: <laughs> but let's let's get back to real things yeah, here sorry yeah so so, okay. so so back to boxing then so how has how has uh joshua been able to avoid these guys it's like oh surely, it's surely like they've been coming because they have to come to him they have to come to him so for all the shit dana white gets as a
3: ufc's lead promoter and he's tyrani- tyrannical and he's a dictator and he blah 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 and he favors guys if you're gonna fight someone in the UFC, you can't dodge it. There's no ducking a fight. Either you take the fucking fight or you're fucking fired. Anthony Joshua has stayed over in England and avoided everybody. I mean, Fury had his his issues. I don't know if you know much about Tyson Fury, but he definitely had definitely issues after he beat Klitschko. He put on 100 and almost 200 oh, pounds. Yeah, you. Cocaine abuse yeah. almost killed himself. Like you know, I mean, like kudos to him for turning his life around. Love the guy anyway. And like he just he he's like Luis Ortiz and Deontay Wilder were like the two guys that were like okay you have to fight these guys since Joshua refused to fight both because um I think Wilder's the WBC heavyweight champion and Joshua now again that he's defeated Ru- Ruiz holds the rest of the titles in heavyweight boxing so he's just dodge Wilder he's dot he dodged Ortiz now he's talking about he's willing to fight Ortiz after Ortiz has been knocked unconscious twice oh, Wilder has knocked out. Luis Ortiz, who was like a fucking boogeyman that no one wanted to fight. Southpaw, all the problems you don't want in boxing. Wilder's lost both fights on the cards. Like, if those went to decisions, Wilder loses both fights. But he knocked him out both times. And that's all Deontay Wilder is. Deontay Wilder's not the best boxer in the world. He's the hardest fucking puncher we've ever seen in boxing. And Anthony Joshua knows that one right hand from Deontay Wilder puts an end to any career he has. Because Wilder doesn't have to hit you much. He just has to hit you you once. once. And once he hit Well you saw what happened To fucking Fury When he hit him once Yeah Fucking had to sit up Like the goddamn Fucking Undertaker To survive The ref had to give him 45 seconds to get up but I mean, I, I honestly I don't care who wins that fight. I love both. I'm a Wilder guy at heart, but if Fury wins, I love Fury too. I love listening to the Fury talk, and I really don't want Tyson Fury to go away, but I really really love that knockout power of Deontay Wilder. And I'm not saying Anthony Joshua was a bad boxer far from it, but he used to overpower guys, and he's not overpowering Tyson Fury who's 6'9, a beast of a man. And well, I just talked about Fury knocking a guy out punching him in the fucking forehead, which is unheard of. I still haven't seen anything like that. I'll never see anything like that again. So he, he doesn't measure up power or brutality to those two guys. And sure, you can out-box Mexican Homer Simpson. That's great. <laughs> I don't mean to be disrespectful to Mexicans, but Ruiz very proudly wore his Mexican, and he looked like fucking Homer Simpson in that fight. Remember the episode of The Simpsons, when like, they, the X-Files yeah. comes in, and they put him on the treadmill, and he's running <laughs> all the flab jiggling? That's what Ruiz looked like walking it's, to the ring. It's hypnotic. <laughs> it's hypnotic. Exactly, yeah, it's
1: hypnotic. Yeah, that, that's no, the fight. episode so. where he fought the other- Dredrick uh, Tatum uh, kind of reminded me that a little bit but like there was a lot a few people kind of mentioned because of the way uh, the fight was it was it was kind of dull in fairness it was of. boring as shit yeah and a lot of people made a comparison to Floyd uh, Mayweather now or, fuck
3: that yeah. man at least you can appreciate Floyd Mayweather's defensive Mayweather's defensive skills I'm not a Floyd guy at all but Floyd's defense is out of this world you'll watch a guy throw punches at Floyd Mayweather for 5-10 minutes and you're thinking they're killing him but they're not even touching him it's immaculate to see. You saw Joshua's legs buckle and rubber a few times in that fight. He just he just knew enough to clinch. And like, and then he started complaining that fucking Ruiz is punching him in the clinch and da da da. He's just a fucking, I don't even call him a pussy because I feel it's disrespectful to something I love. So he's a giant fucking nutsack. I don't like Anthony Joshua. I hope he grows a sack and fights one of the two men. Hopefully Wilder, so Wilder can put his fucking jaw on the blue nosebleeds and be dumb with him. <laughs> I don't fucking like you. I don't want you to succeed. I hope you lose every fucking fight. I don't give a fight if you. I don't give a fuck if he fights the Third Reich. I'd I'd cheer for Hitler against Anthony Joshua at this point. At least Hitler would step up to all fucking challengers. Yeah, fuck Hitler too, though.
1: Cause I uh, <laughs> like it's it's the first. first- boxing fight I've watched in quite a while and like I was kind of excited for it after the underdog story and Sylvester Stallone made that weird program. I didn't see that yeah I need to see that <laughs> so so all that kind of stuff so I, was just, I rushed home from work to watch it that, I, was, I was pretty pretty excited like a couple of guys come over to the house and we we sat here and watched it and then you all fell asleep <laughs> yeah pretty much we were all just like what the fuck is this like it's it, I, I jab of, jab yeah. jab
3: run jab clinch,
1: clinch run glad. yeah, it's yeah. I know people will say that like, the pure that's like that's boxing yeah yeah, yeah suck my like dick from the back. It's not well, boxing. But at the same time though, it's still supposed to be entertainment, right? And I mean, like, if what? you go if you go and watch like a, a soccer match, an ice hockey game, or a basketball game, and it's just like boring as fuck, like it's still an entertainment
3: sport, right? So for the record, thank God we have the zone for other reasons. Yeah, obviously neither of us would have ordered the zone to watch this fight, which nope. is basically probably the cost of that fight on pay-per-view if you'd ordered it. So we both kind of dodged a bullet. It was just on a servers we just so luckily had. But that fight wasn't worth 15 cents. Like, that was... Isn't it funny, though, like, that like that fight wasn't on, like, HBO or whatever like that? Like, well, did you notice when you were watching that's... the fight, they kept showing Canelo Alvarez? Yeah. The uh, Mexican? Yeah. Another Mexican, I think he's a light heavyweight champion in the world now. He's gone up a couple of weight classes. But Canelo Alvarez is like
1: the zone's prime boxer. But I thought the zone was just like for Canada. Like in the States, is it like? Because I, I see there's like a lot of Sky Sports, which is a well, like a UK HBO. The thing. only
3: thing it's in Canada for is the NFL network, like the NFL stuff. And um, the, that's uh, why it's in Canada Because well. on DirecTV in the States and a Comcast and all that stuff, you can just get buy an NFL Sunday ticket. But in Canada, the zone bought the fucking exclusive rights to the NFL. So that's why it's there. Premier League, I have no fucking idea. It's only available on Zone as well. Yeah, so you can't even get Sportsnet World anymore. Doesn't show anything. Yeah, it's all true
0: to Zone. Yeah, so, so they bought They they, the they purchased those
3: two things in Canada. So that's what. But by benefactor of that, I got to watch Logan Paul fight some fucking other YouTube geek, and I got to watch that.
1: So. I must say though, like 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 the zone gets a little bit of flack uh, on this show as well, but I think it was awesome. Like I mean, like the, I paid, I paid one hundred fifty bucks for it. Yeah, it's 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 hasn't been too bad because I mean, like how much would you normally pay for a pay per view fight? Like I mean, I, I paid two hundred dollars for Conor McGregor versus Floyd Mayweather. May- so fifty dollars more
3: for that one fight. I get the NFL, which I watch. I sometimes watch Premier League, but I obviously until you give me a schooling, I won't be able to watch that properly. And I watched that fight And I watched the fucking Retard Sorry The Logan Paul KSI fight <laughs> Delete Okay <laughs> Yeah we're gonna have to delete The word r But otherwise And I mean no disrespect To anybody with any kind Of disabilities or handicaps But fuck When I watched a fight And their tail of the tape Showed their YouTube And Instagram followers I was like This is retarded <laughs> Like, this is not number, this, yeah, I was watching a fight, and it's like, he had. oh, Logan Paul has the edge, he has 50 million Instagram followers, the KSI is 6.3, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, the oh. world needs, that little Greta Thunberg, who they just named, the people named Pure Earth of the Year is right, the world probably needs to end now, and you know, how dare we ruin her future, well, we did, Now just ruin it all. If I'm fucking watching a boxing match, and the tail tape has Instagram followers as a metric, who's gonna win the fucking fight, I'm out.
1: Fuck that. Fuck that so, indeed. So, so we're calling out boxing as a sport. Never do that again. And <laughs> never foist that shit upon us. So um
3: boxing is boxing's on a resurgence right now. The UFC had its run for a while there. But boxing's always been my boxing was like my second love. So I'm 35 years old. Um Mike Tyson was like the god when I was a small child. But like now everyone talks about Ali and Frazier and Foreman and Patterson or whoever you want to talk about in the old heavyweight division. But like when I was a kid, like, you know, the Hagler, Leonard, Duran, Hearns guys had just passed through. Boxing was still really hot. Tyson was still a hot commodity. Michael Moore was a hot commodity. Evander Holyfield was a hot commodity. Lennox Lewis, who I have a ton of respect for. Like, there was still really good boxing when I was growing up. And then in the early to mid 2000s, it just went to shit. And in 2007, Floyd Mayweather emerged as like a shit talker that put on really boring fights. But. I mean, respect the black people, they supported Floyd Mayweather because, like, the only undefeated great fighter of all time was a white guy prior to that, named Rocky Marciano, who retired at 49 and 0. So when Floyd went undefeated, it was kind of special because, like, I, I've, Chris Rock has a bit about, like, the lower you go on the social ladder, the better you fight. Now, I know this is not. PC but I'm, I'm quoting a black man on this so like for every white guy that can fight there's a black guy willing to whip his ass and for every black guy there's a Mexican waiting to whip his ass and for every Mexican there's a native waiting to whip his ass see the better the lower you go on the social ladder the better you fight and I believe that for the most part although I haven't seen a native Canadian or American heavyweight champion in the world but Sunday. You, no, I mean, let's be honest, maybe. <laughs> like, so, but Mexicans and blacks dominate boxing. When do you see white guys dominating boxing? It's true. So, like, I grew up in,
1: like... Uh, Ireland, which is probably the whitest place on Earth, I think. Yeah, assume. true. But, well, yeah. well, well, like, obviously, it was influenced a little bit more by UK boxing. So, when I was growing up, there was this big rivalry between uh a guy called chris eubank another guy called nigel ben and then mm-hmm. there was an irish guy called steve collins they're all mm-hmm. middleweights mm-hmm. and between the three of them they had these epic fights um sounds sounds amazing i need to go yeah, on youtube i know it was a, it was a great time for for boxing and then you're right it kind of changed like it, like it, boxing just kind of disappeared a little bit and usc filled the void now we're coming back a little bit better speaking of irish conor mcgregor yeah exactly and i mean i i think it's Partly because of Conor McGregor, the UFC is being tarnished a little bit because of the bullshit that he's been. You know what I mean? Like I, I know he sells a product, and like I, I know I'm Irish and I'm supposed to whatever. And I've defended him so many times with stuff. But no, I, mean, I showed
3: you that that stuff. I'm not going to talk about it. But I showed you that stuff before, right?
1: Yeah, and like that was shitty. But that, like I mean, that was like you know there's there been rumors about Conor McGregor in Dublin for quite a while. But seeing the video of him like walking into a pub. I'm punching a, an old dude in the face because he didn't want to drink his whiskey or whatever the fuck. Like that's just, that's been an asshole. You know, Callum I, I is mean, an asshole, but I mean, like, he
3: like, but he earned
1: the right to be an asshole. So, yeah, but, but you can't like, I mean, that's like, like, you could you could kill a guy doing that. You know what I mean?
3: Like, no, I mean not when you're 150 pounds. But yeah, I understand what you're saying.
0: So, so I mean, like that's like just.
1: I, I like you know I've been in many Irish pubs in my time and there's always no that, there's always that cranky fucking old bastard at the bar who probably said something to him you know what I mean probably said to him, Conor McGregor I don't want to drink your shitty whiskey didn't look, doesn't like the cut of his jib Conor McGregor the way he is he just gets easily wound up and just flipped you know what I mean and it just it just doesn't look good the the bus thing was shitty. Smashing that kid's phone in Miami was shitty. You know what I mean? It's just. A- Conor McGregor's not a great human being, but you know what I mean. You see it a lot. You remember a couple of years ago when
3: like Justin Bieber exploded and he was do- he was caught doing all kinds of dumb shit and everyone was like holding him accountable to. was, like
1: nineteen like, years I, old. I think I think the worst one of that was when he like he pissed into a mop bucket. It's like who gives a shit? Like I like I honestly did not give two about that what know? do you do when you're 19 years old and the world is handed to you on a silver platter you drink your face off and go nuts right yeah that's I mean, what you're supposed to do i don't think he was doing anything different than what like a college kid would be doing at 19 you know what i mean like well probably apart from like driving ferraris around and shit <laughs> i mean he does that too right yeah. but uh yeah like i mean like i can't believe that we've now turned to talking with the beams but you know no but like the, the point <laughs> is is
3: like when you give access to people that have never had access before, they act a fool. So there's a reason why most lottery winners go broke, and there's a reason why a lot of things happen, why a lot of professional athletes that come from lower-income neighborhoods end up going broke when they get millions of dollars, too. The same thing has happened to Conor McGregor. He comes from fucking nothing. You got too much too soon, and he's got a bunch of yes-men around him. He's a good... I I believe he's a good guy, but he believes he can get away with anything. And he has! So... When you think something and then it turns out to be true, it has I'm not excusing Conor McGregor's behavior, by the way, he's been a utter fucking piece of shit and he hasn't won enough recently in the last few years to dictate how good he is but he is a fucking draw hulk hogan was a cunt in wrestling for years but he still was a draw
1: but i, I think the thing with mcgregor though is, is that like you're right that i mean like he, he fought every six months he, he put his every six months he's fighting more frequently than that but go ahead but, but now like i mean like in the last what two years he's had the mayweather fight and then he lost the maybe, Kibbe, or, yeah, so he got like his ass handed to him so i mean like it's kind of hard for people to excuse his behavior when he's not Well, he fights
3: in February, doesn't he? I think he fights one of my favorite fighters of all time, Donald the Cowboy Cerrone. So when he fights him, I mean, there's no question if McGregor has to win this fight, right? Like if McGregor doesn't win this fight, it's over. Yeah, it's fucking it's a rap city. you can't yeah. lose three fights in a row as a fighter and come back and be okay like I know he fought Mayweather and that was kind of a fucking carnival Mayweather let him hang around for a while I know it's hard to hear for a lot of people that don't watch boxing but Floyd Mayweather let Conor McGregor hang around oh, for few months and then decided he was going to turn the the gas up on him and that was it but um yeah no I mean shows Conor McGregor I mean he entertained me his fights with Nate Diaz his shit with Eddie Alvarez I'm entertained by Conor McGregor I buy Conor McGregor fights
1: I'm I'm I think it was a manner of his defeat to uh, believe that kind of made everybody. Oh, it was just utterly one sided. Yeah, it was horrible to watch, and like you know, the, the, the way he he overdid the uh, the build up to it. Like he he got away with an awful he, lot of that kind didn't of Didn't he stuff. say he was going to kill him? Yeah, and he's going on about his religion and all that kind of bollocks. And it's just like man, you know, like yeah. you have to draw the line somewhere. Well, he called Floyd Mayweather a monkey too, right? Like he,
3: he like look, he he is who he is. It is what it is. I don't excuse any of it. But I think he just tries to sell fights and goes too far. I'm not saying I'm not saying Conor McGregor isn't racist because he probably has a bit of that in him. Let's be honest. But I'm not <laughs> going to argue and say he is racist. But I'm sure he's got a little bit of it in him. Like I don't know, man. Conor McGregor needs to win this fight. If he doesn't win this fight, it's fucking over and we'll never talk about him again. So it's kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, not really, because he's filthy fucking rich. He made like 200 million from the Mayweather fight. And he was making he was he was he had the UFC bent over a barrel for about a year and a half there, making as much money as he possibly could. The UFC doesn't pay enough pay guys enough to eat ramen ramen noodles for six weeks. And I'm not talking about the like good ramen from a restaurant. I'm talking like Mr. Fucking Noodles. They, so they do like they abuse their fighters. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. kind of
1: shitty, and it's like um like you see, I make more than most UFC fighters. And you see, like I mean, like I just looking at McGregor's story himself. I mean, like when he he was starting off and like he was getting paid fuck all money, and then suddenly people decided that he was a bit of a draw. Because the thing is, like obviously, I've seen an Irish fighter come along, and we haven't had like a. He was more than just an Irish fight. fighter, though. But but it's also like just like. Like, obviously, like, whenever he fought in Dublin, like, th- the crowds came out. But he
3: was already a star by the time he got to Dublin. Like, he was he was a star because he talked talk. And his shit-talking game was excellent. And if you can be an excellent shit-talker, you can make money. Chael Sonnen was the blueprint for Conor McGregor. Chael Sonnen was a pretty good fighter and a great fighter. But Chael Sonnen could talk that shit and be super disrespectful. And he made tons of money. And McGregor saw it and improved upon it. He took pro wrestling, spliced it in with MMA, and he went out there and talked the shit. And he made hundreds of millions of dollars. God bless, fucking love it. But he he did, at the end of the day, have to back it up. And he did starch quite a few guys with that left hand. So, I mean, I like Conor McGregor. I, I'm not a huge fan, but I'll still watch his fights. He's, he's the only UFC fighter I will watch in 2020, 2019. Like I don't care about anybody else. I'll watch mcgregor Cerrone, and that's it. It's funny how it's changed,
1: isn't it? Like, I mean, the, the thing 10 me, years ago, I wouldn't miss UFC. The, and the, the thing for me, too, is that, like, I mean, like, like, like Khabib is actually... a a very boring fighter to watch too it's like it's just constantly trying to wrestle well
3: when when you have grounded when you have ground based fighters in the UFC like GSP who's like a Canadian national icon was just a guy that basically fought guys to their weaknesses, and he often ended up fa- and there were strikers that couldn't grapple. So he would just take them down, he'd stay on top of them, he'd do enough to win. I'm not saying he wouldn't do anything, but he would hit them enough just to stay in the spot, he would be active enough just to stay there. He'd just lay on top of guys and punch them when he needed to and do what he had. Now, don't get me wrong, if you fucked up and let him get through, he would beat the shit out of you, but. He would do just enough to win. And GSP's a legend in Canada. So the way Khabib fights is a little more boring than GSP. But GSP wasn't exactly fucking lighting the world on fire. I was there when GSP won his title back from Sarah. And he was just kneeing Matt Sarah on the side over and over again. And he was not taking any risks. He fought the most strategic game plan. You have, which is what they gave Joshua, the little bit back credit for, this weekend was doing taking no risks and fighting a smart fight. Because it's a, the key to boxing and fighting is to take as little damage as possible while still winning it. That's true. That doesn't always necessarily make it the most entertaining thing to watch, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, as, as fans, we want to see... Yeah, I want to see Blood and Guts. Uh, yeah,
3: pretty much. I want to see Alistair Overroom's lip fly through the fucking air. That's what I want to see. And if I'm not seeing that, then I feel shorted. Because fuck, it's expensive to watch a boxing match in 2019. Oh my god. Jeez. Other than zone, like, if I, I want to watch Wilder versus fucking um, Fury, it's going to be like $140.
1: It's almost one of those things where you have a couple of lads over to the, the, the house. And
3: yeah, but then you're going to, like, fucking ask your friends for money. It's shitty.
1: Testing, testing, one two three. One two three check. <laughs> check 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 so this week I'm in uh, Easter Grafton one of our favourite places here for recording the podcast uh, I'm with our good friend Alan McDonald who uh, rocked us last week with some of his insights into hockey um, Alan's also a huge Glasgow Celtic fan who are uh, obviously being an Irish person it's mandatory for me to be a Celtic fan so they're everybody's second favourite club back home in Ireland um, how do you uh, how did you become a Celtic fun so I'm not really sure exactly how but at like a young age it was just like even like growing up in Waterford where like wolves are team, but we'd always have the green white green white green white and like, maybe that's that's what got me into it but um, even like we took a trip to Europe um, before graduating high school and when we were in London I ended up buying uh, Celtic kit there I think it was like Carling was the sponsor of oh. that was, years, what, was one? Yeah, I fucking love that. Yeah, I, I I think I still might have that jersey kick around the home somewhere. So uh, <laughs> St. Patty's say we are in France. I wore, oh, and I just loved it. And like I was I was following the team then too because like then they had like uh because they beat Man United. That they used to be a Japanese player uh, yeah, Nakamura, Nakamura, because he had that like big kick, right? Yeah. And uh, that's when I really got into Celtic. Was like around like you know grade eleven, grade twelve, and just grew from there right yeah it's like plus it's also like I mean it's if you know anybody who's Irish like and they're there's obviously two big clubs there's Rangers and Celtic and most people I know would be Celtic fans like I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Rangers fans but um, Celtic just have that kind of awe about them you know what I mean like I I, I just love them to bits so um, so last weekend saw Celtic beat Rangers in the uh, League of Finals woohoo so yeah did you think that they deserved the win they're outplayed but in big matches like that the bigger team always comes out and that happened to be Celtic so they deserved it me you know maybe they didn't have you know on possession but the little battles they seemed to you know get the ball and get the touch like the the goal itself was kind of a little bit offside. like I know Steven Jarrett was complaining about it but it's it's the same for both teams though Um, what, what, what happens to um, Morales in these fucking games like so, it's crazy it's just one of those things like the big players play big and the small players go home and you can see that right now in New York but he's you know he led them in scoring but when it matters he's he's not there like that was literally one of the worst penalties I think I've ever seen in my fucking life and, like I cheered obviously but yeah. you know it's like because they're, 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 he's not even their normal penalty taker uh, he took the ball off their normal I think James Tavenier uh, is their Normal he should have been carded, too, like, around, like, um, the 80th minute. Yeah. See, he had that, like, cheap shot there. There was no need of that. And that, like I think there's so much pressure in those games, like, uh, all the derby games in the world. Especially at hand and 2 where yeah. it's, like, even both sides. It's. Yeah. I I would hate to be a policeman on that day, to yeah. have, or a woman, sorry, or a peace, police person <laughs> <laughs> to, on that day just to have to deal with that, because if you're right, like, normally when it's at uh, Rangers or at that cell, just, yeah, exactly. Just like, like right. I think like last season was like a thousand Celtic fans are allowed to go to it. Mm-hmm. When you've got t- thirty thousand of each people, yeah. th- like that fucking. And you see the police, like be out, it's, out it's, east side. It's, yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm yeah. like, I mean, I've I've never gone to a, a Celtic Rangers game, probably because I'm a bit afraid. because I'm a chicken shit motherfucker. But on, on the flip side of it, it does look like it's probably the best game in the world. Would you ever want to go to one? I, at bucket list. It's like uh, I never got to watch. Yeah like Red Sox Yankees, it'd be 1A, 1B type of thing, right? Well, I would love to do that. Yeah. Too. So maybe uh, we should do that. Uh, yeah. We will just, because there's flights direct from Halifax to Glasgow. So. Yeah, I went through WestJet. Okay, yeah. let's go, go so, for a weekend. Um, years ago, I don't know, did I tell you about this? I think it, I went over, um, it was a trip I was going to Croatia, it was in 2016. So I flew over to Glasgow at WestJet, connected, you know, like Ryanair, uh, yeah. cheap place around. When I came back, I was was leaving on Sunday morning, so Saturday it was after Celtic won the league and Leicester would have won the English oh league. That God. so they had a friendly and got tickets for and I was right next to the Green Brigade, what an atmosphere. Even though it was like a July game and like they weren't really playing the, other players. you were at Celtic Park, Celtic Park, yeah, paradise, yeah. it it's great. You you bastard, yeah, yeah. Never, like uh, so I've got I've got a weird thing about flying and crowds and so, so I'm, yeah. a little, I'm a weirdo with that like that in my head, so. Um, um, it's like I've always kind of chickened out that kind of stuff but it's definitely on my bucket list I think we should do it yeah. uh, we get, we'll get we get Murphy and stuff to go too so um, so do you think after the game they should have built a statue of uh, Fraser Foster outside yeah. of Celtic Park you know what <laughs> the Celtic board its the perfect way for Celtic to win you know let your player go on a big wage and then bring them back for half the wage that's what Celtic yeah. likes right? well, well there's also talk of bringing back Wanyama uh, right they yeah. fucking—they sold him for it it's you and Southampton too right yeah, yeah. Yeah. and they got big money they got money for because what they do is they put in uh, clauses where when they sell them on they like Tierney yeah they'll get but they, like so they, yeah, Virgil Van so, Dijk, same, same thing exactly right? so yeah. if Tierney moves from Arsenal to Real Madrid Celtic will get a cut of that deal because that's they're clever they that develop them right yeah it's obviously a shame to, to lose those players all around, I feel sometimes that they're a feeder club for some of the bigger clubs but. I think though that's like a, a big thing about the whole like all these bigger clubs yeah. with the more money like the, the Real and Paris um, Bayern Munich like these bigger clubs like they're buying all these players all the time and, and you know uh, Paris St. Germain right now oh Monaco was never a club that anyone heard of 10 years ago and then today you know where they're it's, at it, it's true and like uh, the, the good thing for Celtic is that if you invest money in scouts like some of these players like nobody has heard of before and then they turn up a Celtic and they just become Really good players like me. They got the uh, Austin Edward, who was like rotten in the reserve somewhere at PSG. wasn't, or no, it was PSG. Yeah, yeah. And, and look at him now. Like he's like like they could probably sell him on now for 30 million 40 million So yeah. it's, it's the scouting system at Celtic is really good. So obviously, speaking of Rangers, because we kind of have to, uh, Stephen Gerrard came in as a manager in two thousand eight. He has brought Rangers up to a new level new standard he's got a name in football so he's able to bring in a better class of player you, I hate seeing a successful Rangers but do you think it's good for Scottish football to have that it, it is um, it is a two horse race again like, a, like it always used to be um, but they are a new club let's not get any you know it's is yeah. the new Rangers and um, Gerard well, what he can do with the money that they're giving in and it makes it better because it, it makes Celtic better too like having that because like let's be honest here like Hamilton what kind of you know yeah and I, I, you're right though like I feel I, I always feel like Celtic Rangers are stuck in limbo because they're too big for the league they're in right now and the English Premiership and all the, the like the English leagues don't want to take them because they're too big and they want to I think with like the FA say if Celtic or Rangers did leave like the Welsh teams so you have to start from the bottom and work all the way up and I think they'd be fine with that though Like, I, yeah. honestly, I honestly think that like, that's that's not the problem I think though it's bad for the Scottish FA if they let the two biggest clubs leave to go down to England I mean, and then the minefield of going through trying to try get FIFA to approve it and like since I was a kid so this has got like I'm an old fart but this has gone on like 30 years they've been talking about Celtic and Rangers moving down to, to, to England like I think they need to kind of just get over over it Realise what they are, where they are, and I think having Rangers stronger, you're right, it, it brings Celtic out a little bit more, mm-hmm. and the level of football between the two of them has increased big time. Because when it was just so Celtic on their own, like they weren't doing so well in the Champions League because they didn't have a certain class of player to bring in because they didn't need to. Yeah. Now, like, like you know, they've actually gone and spent a bit of money. They brought in some decent players. Like they lost. Kieran Tierney in the summer, but then the replacement they brought in, like mm-hmm. is from awesome. an Israeli, yeah, like not Israeli, but um, you know what I'm talking about, Bowley or whatever yeah. it is. So I mean, like they, they they have brought in, like they're bringing, they're spending a bit of money bringing people in, like the Ju- Julian, like the the guy, oh, the def- is yeah. fucking awesome, they keep them finding these great, yeah, yeah like <laughs> I know, and I honestly, as I said to you, like it's investing in the scouting system that allows them to do that. Mm-hmm. Um So like obviously looking at now like I mean like tonight both teams have qualified for the next round of Europa League three years ago Rangers were being knocked out of the UEFA Cup by a team from Luxembourg like how happy are you for Scottish football and for Celtic that they're true to the next round of the Europa League yeah it really brings the excitement out especially like making it to the round of 32 you'd like to see them in the Champions League again and get back to that level but this is you know they can they can they're doing things and they can do more we'll See what happens with January's transfer window I'm sure like some players are going to move it's the nature of the game but it is really good for the game for the team like so um, I honestly think that for for Celtic and for Rangers for Scottish football now they're talking about that they're almost at the point where they're going to get a second Champions League spot mm-hmm. which is incredible because that's where the money comes from but it also opens up the league again that you're going to have Celtic and Rangers playing Champions Ibs. League football and everybody else is fucked yeah like what, what what do you think that the, the league needs to do to help bring up the other clubs to the level of Celtic and Rangers? I think a lot of things too. Like the Scottish FA, it, it it's where it's at. The old talk as well is like when you're talking uh, Ajax and these other big clubs that are playing the same type of leagues. They really should all have like their own league kind of thing. But. Um, My view on it's kind of difficult because, like, even like the Scottish second league, they couldn't compete with the English league two, right? So it's like, so I find the problem too is that, like, so for instance, like Aberdeen had a couple of good seasons, and as soon as they get half decent players, Celtic Rangers will go in after them. So not only are they hoovering up the best players in Scotland, they're also able to afford to buy players from France or like I mean Rangers who were, were bankrupt six years ago like are able to go and spend which doesn't sound an awful lot to like, Tottenham fans or whatever are able to go and spend six or seven million on Ryan Kent a top talent at Liverpool like, like Aberdeen and Hibs and all that just can't compete with that so like they're, they're literally playing with one hand tied behind the back and I it's there was talk a few years ago like probably about 10-15 years ago about creating they're going to call it the Atlantic League so it's going to be like Norway Sweden yeah so it's going to be like Rosenberg Ajax PSV because like Ajax and PSV are almost in the same kind of problem because they're miles ahead of the rest of the Dutch League Mm -hmm. Uh, they're going to put some Irish teams in there some Belgium teams in there so and it it keeps that that level up too right yeah it's, it's the concept of like having that there but then yeah, you're you're then forgetting about all the other teams. Like I mean, like the Scottish league would just crumble. And they it. want to develop their own players too. But look at it today, like where, like even Greece, the Greek league's struggling. Yeah. Other than their big clubs, and they but, just got knocked out. Like they're still able to attract. Like there's there's some good players. Like I mean, like Olivier Akos gave Tottenham a fright twice, and they do have some decent players. But it's like it, it's such a weird like disparity between these clubs. And the rest of the leagues, that like I, I fear, I actually fear for Scottish football because I, eventually, like I mean, like Austin Edward Ryan Kent up for Rangers, why the fuck do they want to go and play up there any longer? Like yeah. soon, I feel as soon as a big club comes along from England, they're like gone. Dembele, yeah, same thing happened to him, like, right? He, like he's, he, I don't know, if you, do you follow him on uh, Instagram or whatever? I I, 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 I gave him the unfollow once. <laughs> so, to be honest, so, it's like I used to. But so, even... so like, to be honest, like, I mean, like he played for Fulham and he he was going to go to Tottenham and then whatever happened to Tottenham he fell through and then became a free agent and went to Celtic great career move but as soon as Leon came in he was gone and he still but the way he left the club too like, Pinsa, like it just went to his head right he scored a couple you know he scored some big goals and all that and so he still had so, some money, right? So then he started trying to blame Brendan Rodgers on it, yeah. and it was kind of shitty way he left. But he still posts up about Celtic, and the fans kind of love him for that kind of thing and all that kind of shit. I really feel like, like, like I think he owed us another season or two. back on. Definitely, yeah. Like I feel like he like even to the other players that he brought with him, like Nitcham yeah,
2: and Edwars. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like like, I mean, like like Celtic like dragged them from fucking Fulham to like one of the best teams in France. I think he owed. owed him a little bit more, but well, I can see why he left. You know, like you're you want to be a top you want player. your trophies, you know what I mean. So, you're speaking about Leicester there against uh Celtic and stuff like that. But obviously, there's a big connection with Brendan Rogers, he left at the round February, I think. Uh, Neil which is very unheard of, a top of the league, and then you leave a club the way you know. So, so Neil Lennon came in. So, what were your thoughts initially on Neil coming in? So at that time Neil Lennon was just after getting let go from hips right um, <sighs> I'm a big fan of Neil Lennon because he's the same like whatever it is between Celtic and Neil Lennon, the two of them together, it just it just gels. And he gets the most out of the players when he needs to. He's a different type of manager, but he's a Celtic manager. You know, like you have like the Martin O'Neills, the Warren Scratch, and like those managers that came through. Ron, Ronnie Delilah was so much different after Neil Lennon left. Yeah, he was a poor choice. You know, yeah, obviously. and because Neil went left for, what club was in England at the time? Um, so he went to Bolton, I think. And then from Bolton, he went to Hibs. Yeah. So Bolton were in the middle of their meltdown. So I, think, yeah. I don't know if he got sacked or he left. And then Hibs picked them up. And in fairness to him, he did a great job at Hibs. Yeah. And to do what he did, like to come in, keep the team focused and win the league, and then go through the summer, Brent Rogers, I think... Th- I think too with him leaving, like I don't know if you know, on Instagram. Like anytime you look like the post, they always put the snake. You know, can't so yeah. put the snake. <laughs> it sucks the way Brendan Rodgers left. You can see why he left too, because like you see both sides of it, but like you don't leave a team. So the thing with Brendan Rodgers is that when he came to Celtic, there's a huge connection between Northern Ireland and Scotland and Celtic and Rangers. There's a huge history. Look it up on. Um, well, Len is from from Northern Ireland, Northern, right? right? And yeah. so is Brendan Rogers. So yeah. like it, it, if people out here are listening want to look it up, look at the, the, the history between Northern Ireland and Scotland. So Brendan Rogers came when he came into Celtic was saying, I'm a Celtic man true and true. I followed him when I was a kid. Kind of laid on tick about yeah. how much he loved Celtic. And then literally within two days, a day of Leicester putting their interest in, he was gone. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what Rankle with an awful lot of people Neil Lennon left on his own terms the fourth time round like he just left and they're after winning like, they did well in shape it's like like, um, like a Tony Watt um, uh, yes. remember that player yeah, against knees, Barcelona. Barcelona so he subbed on it late and he got through he and in Bulgaria he, now <laughs> he still comments all the time yeah. too you see him Lotto, 32 yeah he's, he's, a prod, he's a proper like Celtic man yeah. and, but I think though, though with, with, like with Neil Lennon like he left it on good terms because like he left and didn't go somewhere else kind of like just took a breakout football because I mean I think he felt he probably took the team as far as he could Yeah, and you know what he did at the time and you got to respect that and Rangers weren't Rangers they weren't even there they weren't even there so I I, I get it and now he's come back kind of like not in the blaze of glory he was like as a stopgap which was kind of a shitty way to to treat him I think he was out of work like they picked him up probably knew that he wouldn't have to pay like a release fee to somebody else and then gave him the job and I think he's doing a great job he brought back force too yeah like, he's taken you know, he, right. he's taken he's taken what Brendan had and like tweaking his old yeah, style and, and, and to it you can tell the difference that how much Celtic means to him compared to what Brendan Rodgers was as, not, not to disparage the Brendan Rodgers he's a fantastic manager as he's shown at Leicester I just don't think he was as much of a Celtic manager as he dead on yeah whereas you, everybody knows that Neil Lennon Neil Lennon's had death threats when he's played for Celtic Neil Both Lennon's been on. threatened yeah. like it, it, it's he's a Celtic non true material people can see that. And those are the days of like got uh, Larson. Yeah. Like yeah. like like so Brendan Rodgers didn't play himself Neil Lennon did and then moved on from there so I, I honestly think that at the, at the beginning I thought it was a bad idea for them to bring him back that's my own opinion but now it I've, fits now like the other winning what, yeah I haven't seen what he's done, done. Yeah. you kind of got to trust him a little bit yeah. so like what do you think the rest of the season do you think they can go and win every trophy again this year or do you think triple Brains, triple I, I, why I don't, not right like even to I find Neil Lennon finds his way with the young talent. Like uh, today, he had uh, Mikey Johnson playing, and like there was that 16 year old, the Dembele. Yeah. Dem- 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Caracamo or something like that. Yeah. I, I, I fuck, Like that, that kid. Like, so has he got a cap for Scotland? Like, yeah. So he's there? like he's 16, but like I mean, like they were talking like, about capping him when he was like 15 or something like that. So I've watched a good, like, I'm not a Celtic nerd, nerd by any means. Like this is how much I'm taunting nerd that I'll watch a Jose Mourinho press conference because he's entertaining. Yeah. But I do watch. Uh, I follow a couple of Irish lads who play for Celtic in the like in the youth system, yeah. and Dembele always gets mentioned. And he's been banging in the goals. He's pulling up assists. So I think it's only a matter of time before he starts knocking on the door. But he's another one of those guys that you're going to think that uh, if he is as good as they say he is, he won't be around for too long. So yeah. we should appreciate it while we have. So, but you can you can see him, you know, do the same thing again get him to about 21-22 and then move him on. Like, I, I'm really surprised that James Forrest like I mean like James Forrest is probably one of the best Celtic players I've seen in, like in Oh off the wing like like, like I, I, I would rate him above Aidan McGee to be honest I'm so surprised that nobody ever came in for him. Mm-hmm. Like I mean like was it he scored like 9 or 10 goals in a row like, in, like 10 games in a row that he scored and yeah. he, he's fantastic. And I think that's another thing with the Scottish Thing too like uh, years ago, Gary Hooper had like thirty some odd goal seasons, and then he goes to Norwich and can't and can't do anything, right? But that's but that's what that's we what, that's what you know about like people. got Like he, he used Celtic as a stepping stone. Like I mean, he went from playing for fucking Talk or wherever the hell he was at, yeah. got scouted, they picked them up, brought him up there, then left to go to Norwich, playing in the Premier League, scored nothing, ended up at Sheffield Wednesday. Like if. For me, like, I would rather be at Celtic. Like, playing... Playing fun at 30,000 full. Yeah, like, playing European football. Like, playing those games against Rangers. Instead of, like, playing for fucking Sheffield Wednesday in the championship you know Sheffield, what I mean Sheffield you know, yeah, exactly. United Derby yeah, you know what I mean like, like, why would you do that to yourself I, it's, it boggles my mind and I honestly think that if a couple of years ago if he hadn't had the had chance to go back to South he probably would have I probably wouldn't have left really? yeah and really? it's like hindsight a wonderful thing but as soon as he got a sniff to go back down South same with Joe Ledley yeah. Joe Ledley oh first you said Welsh player right yeah first sniff he got way down he went didn't even have a clue. didn't even have a club in the summer uh, Adam Matthews he's playing for Sunderland in League 1 like tall used was too good for Celtic so I mean like, they're, they're, you have to have that balance of where you're yeah like Lustig right now is in Belgium right? Yo, Lustig Mikko, Mikko, he, yes he, with the Swedish back he, yeah. he, he was 32 or 33 you know? but he, he played his tenure through with yeah. all those players won all those Champions Leagues and he's still well respected by Celtic oh, like he knew it was his time and let the, the new players come through right? Exactly, because like, I mean, like you can't hold on forever. But, yeah. Like, unfortunately, father time catches up with you, and you kind of know when it's. If you're a smart guy, you know when it's time to, to move on. Henry Larson like, moved on at the right time because he was like 32, 33, and knew he had very small chance of winning the Champions League with, with Celtic. Right? So you, can, you can't. You play with going to Barcelona. Yeah, you, right? you, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like you're. It's like you play with Chris Sutton and fucking Chris Collins <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then and then or else no, you go Chris go play, play after him. like you know I else you go <laughs> play with Ronald D. Yeah. and Henry right so yeah. that, that, that's why I really mean, don't I, like but it's people like Gary Hooper who like just stayed at Celtic for two years and then just tried to get himself out of there uh, yeah. same with Dembele a little bit like you know what I mean like he just first chance he got he was gone I kind of feel bad for Celtic fans but yeah oh, but uh, I love when you see like like the keeper like Forrester come back and you know he's a guy who when he left oh, Frazier. He was capped by England as keeper and he was behind who from Man City? Uh, Joe Hart. Joe Hart. Okay, that's that's where when, he was at Celtic. While he's at Celtic, yes. Yeah. And
2: he was phenomenal.
1: He was the game against Barcelona, like all those big games he played, went to Southampton, couldn't do it with the Saints, and now he's back. But he's getting his confidence again, and then you got guys like Craig Gordon and Scott Payne, who might not even have a contract now, but they were both going. Wow. But that's what Celtic. Well, it was a keeper well, I, mean, it... I mean like last year Scott Bain came in and did a good job like Craig Gordon had a horrific injury a few years ago and then they, they, Brandon Rogers took a punt on him and brought him back and he was a great servant for Celtic and he's a great backup keeper but he's 36 or something now so I mean like it's obviously you hit it when you're a keeper and you're injured and you don't have that same spring in your step Fraser Foster on the other half pisses me off a little bit and I, I'll probably get crucified for saying this but like I mean he was another one another kind of mercenary guy that soon as, like he got the England cap and as soon as Southampton came in for him gone went down there had one good season with Southampton struggled they, they got another keeper in sitting on the bench and he came back to Celtic who would you rather have a keeper like if you had to compare the two of at the same time right now would you rather have like Arthur Bork or Fraser Foss or. Yeah. Oh, it's so tough man. Do you know why? Because like I just want to know, like I just saw so, so the holy goalie like when he when he was at Celtic, like he he's a good keeper, but he was prone to mistakes. Fraser Foster doesn't tend to make that many mistakes, he's a solid keeper. But Fraser Foster wouldn't have the bollocks to go down to the goal at Ibrox and bless himself you know what I mean like so (laughs) it's character wise Arthur Barge is like a fucking legend
0: Uh,
1: so I'm gonna now the question would you have started him on Sunday Arthur Barge yeah like just saying in prime would that be the time Uh, so I I think if Neil Lennon like if he was there Neil Lennon would have played him because he's he's a wind up merchant yeah and it's like so I don't know if you remember Rangers brought in El Hadjouf who is one of the most controversial people in football uh, when he was at Liverpool he spat at Celtic fans and all that kind of stuff Again, the Rangers brought him up to the um, to to scotland and there was a famous picture of scott brown when he scored against rangers like standing like that yeah yeah so yeah so like players like that like the reason why rangers brought him up i think like so gordon um what's his name Walter Smith was in charge was just purely to wind up celtic just to get in their heads because he's an asshole that's what Arthur Barge was like he's a good goalkeeper not a great goalkeeper but he's probably worth a couple of good like red cards in that game just to wind people up you know what I mean yeah. so like and when you think about it like you look at like like every football player now and they go on the pitch and they bless themselves yeah just um, teaching the media wants that to sell papers right is that the right or wrong thing to say I don't know no it's true because but I mean it, like, like if there's trouble at like Celtic Rangers games? Newspapers and like I mean, if you look at um, like Celtic have been, been fined quite a lot. Like they're, they're always in trouble with UEFA over the flags and stuff like that So like, but at the same time too, like the Green Brigade, like. It's a, but it's a political thing, right? Yeah. And football, sports, don't want politics involved with stuff. Like, like I remember when they were playing uh, an Israeli team, like yeah, the Palestinian so, flag, yeah, and they had here, the right? Palestinian flag. Yeah. There's, there's an Israeli guy who plays for for yeah. Celtic, like near Burton. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I mean, like, it, it's it, it's kind of weird. Um, like, I, I get why they do it um, because like Celtic, like had, the oppression, exactly. Yeah. Right? And there's there's another team in. Germany, called Saint Pauli, who play in the, the the second the second division, um, who are very a uh, very socialist football club as well, who like look after those sort of issues. So it's very hard to take that out of football, especially when you've got like it's re- over religious divides. You're going to get people singing shins, Like it's, and a lot of the time, it's not the club's fault. Like should people at the grounds be singing sectarian songs? Songs. No, they shouldn't. Uh, it's,
0: like it's, it's, it's,
1: it's harder for the club to watch over this stuff when they play away from home. Mm-hmm. But it's like because you know, like they don't have as much control over stuff as what they do at Celtic Park. Thanks a lot for hanging out, Alan. It's been a lot of fun, man. It's like it's cool to talk Celtic. I didn't think I'd ever get anybody in the show who'd do it. So <laughs> thank you, buddy. I really appreciate it. <laughs>
0: In your smile Bring me laughter All the while In this world where we live There should be more happiness So much joy you can give To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy Through the years Never bring you've been listening to the down the pub podcast thank you to all my guests for joining me this week i want to give a special shout out to my nephew Nathan, who had an unfortunate accident at football last week i.e the poor bastard got a kick in the face so i hope you feel better bud also i want to wish a speedy recovery to my good friend paulie g who broke his leg yesterday get well soon paul friend of the show, Dave Smith, has a wrestling episode this week on armchair commentary, so don't forget to check that out. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the show. Thank you so much for listening. Until next week, cheers.